imitate Christ, what does that look like? And here's some things that are very true. Real Christ followers desire to glorify God. In verse 31, there's a very interesting passage here. It says that after Judas had left, so this is when Judas was on his way to betrayal Christ, and it was revealed that he was going to be the betrayer of the Son of God. Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Isn't that an interesting expression? If you were here on Good Friday service, I actually used part of this passage to talk about this, how Jesus looked at his own death. Um, See, in the cross of Christ, which looks like the wrong way to so many of us and such a cruel death to uh, whoever would suffer that, Jesus tells us it was his path to glorification. Why? Because the love of God would be on display. God's mercy would be given and revealed. God's power and grace would come through that. And even his judgment and justice over sin would be declared through that. So all of that mixed together is just that message that we're talking about today. Jesus said that he's going to be glorified and he's going to be glorified on the cross. That's what's going to take place. He's going to have this as a preoccupation for him, the glory of God. If you read John chapter 5, you back up a few chapters and you look at that great chapter, it's all about how God is always working, how we should join him in his work, and that's our assignment. We should be preoccupied too, as Christians, as Christ followers, with the glory of God in our life. I get to live this life one time, and that's all I get, and then there's eternity. And that's the case for everybody in this room. That's our story. We're going to get to live what we get to live here. You get this one shot at bringing glory to God. Here's what brings glory to God, as even revealed in this passage. God's love on display. God's mercy on display. God's grace. God's justice and even judgment brings glory to God. So anytime we are living, imitating Christ, we are bringing glory to Him. Make it your preoccupation to glorify God in all that you do. Just make it your preoccupation. That's what you are just totally occupied. You don't live for self. When we come to Christ, we exchange our life and we give it to Christ. And now we're living and following and imitating Jesus Christ. Amen? That's who you are, what you are, and what you're to be doing. It is a job assignment that we have after we come to Him. We should be totally preoccupied with following Christ, living out His glory in our lives. Second of all, notice that real Christ followers have a consistent love for one another. A consistent love for one another. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Rhetorical questions are ones you do not answer out loud in church today, okay? And here's the rhetorical question. Is there anybody in your life that just rubs you the wrong way and they are difficult for you personally to love? Rhetorical. Rhetorical. I'm not answer, asking you to answer out loud. I already know the answer to that. There are people that are just so easy to love. You want to snuggle up to them and just spend time with them, hang out with them. They're easy, aren't they? They just are easy people to love. And then there are those people that are the sandpaper people in your life. 
They rub you the wrong way, right? They are irritating to you. Sometimes it may be you hear their voice and you struggle. Now, almost everybody has somebody in the family like that. Somebody has somebody in their family like that. Just about everybody has somebody that's that strange uncle that you get together for family events and you're like, there he goes again. See? And you're like, glad I just had to put up with this for, you know, XX whatever time during the year for holidays or for whatever. But there's somebody that rubs you the wrong way, right? Now, I dare say, and again, this is a rhetorical question. Did you hear that? It's a rhetorical question, so I'm asking this, and I'm not expecting an out loud response, but it just could be true that you go to church with somebody that rubs you the wrong way. Love you, church. Yeah, I'm getting in your biz this morning. Yeah. They just rub you the wrong way. I mean, when you see them coming down the hallway, you want to do what? Just being real, just being honest. We didn't have, we did, we, that was a rhetorical question, right? Rhetorical. You didn't answer that out loud. It could be. Man, I tell you what, I, I know no one like the Oaks has this issue, but I've pastored some other churches. And in all of those churches, all of them, every one of them, there were people that didn't like each other so much. You know, they had an issue at one time or another. Maybe they didn't get it all squared away like they should have and, and get that lined up. And they just found their relationship irritating from that point on. That's a sad way to live in church, isn't it? It's a sad way to conduct our lives. You get to go around once. Make sure you live it with all the love that you can. Listen to this statement that's found in the book of John, or not in John. This is a, a, a I've, I've looked and I can't. It's an anonymous writing that uh, somebody wrote several years ago. It says, this is my church, and this is a good thing to hear this morning. They wrote, it is comprised of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will be, do great works if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. I will be a church of loyalty, love, and of faith, and of service if I who make it what it is, I'm filled with these. With these, Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. Signed Anonymous. Somebody wrote that years back, and uh, it's not ever been discovered. Nobody ever owned it, but it's a good statement, isn't it? Because we sometimes come and you want church to be this or that. And you got to realize you are the church, right? We are the church. I want to share something with you, and it's, it's something just from my own heart. Years ago, I, I just come to the conclusion that one of the problems in church that we had, I think we're better at it than we were some years ago, but I think we were not exercising love. The church would say we're for this, we're against that. And I mean, you can take family life, and there's so many things we can address. We can address uh, just uh, the divorce rate. We can talk about marriage, where so many are just not marrying. They're, they're cohabitating today, and that's just so commonplace. 
we can talk about homosexuality, and we can talk about, and we just go on and on the list, uh, just the uh, pr- promiscuity that's in our culture today sexually. We talk about all those things. We can condemn all that stuff, but we need to love people. The Bible says that we need to speak the truth, but in what? In love. You've got to remember, we don't compromise our stance or our position about what the Bible says. We don't do that, but what we do is show a person that we love them and we give them acceptance, even though we may not agree with a certain lifestyle. In my home, where I came from, in Dayton, Ohio, it is the number one city in drug overdoses for heroin of all the cities in the United States per capita. My home state of West Virginia has incredibly horrible drug problems. I mean, it's horrible. But it's not just there, it's here. It's all over the nation. Heroin is killing our kids. I've got a cousin, my aunt's, uh, my aunt that I grew up with, like she was my baby sister. She's just two years younger than me. Her only child died of a heroin overdose two years ago. Playing video games and just recreationally using, using heroin. Overdosed, his dad found him dead the next morning. That story's being repeated over and over and over. My aunt, that was her only kid. That's it. She's at an age where she's not going to have any more unless she adopts. I mean, it's just, that's, that's it. And how sad and how destructive. We need to speak against these ills, but we also need to walk with people and we need to love them from where they are and walk with them to where they need to be. That's why we have CR in this church. CR, I'm so thankful that we have that ministry right here in our church. It's about helping people where they are and helping them move to where they need to be. That's our job assignment as Christians, to love them. I'll tell you a story. We were, I was in a church, and I'm not going to say where, but the family was an incredibly godly family. They had raised their kids in just a, a, a godly way. They had them in Christian school. And uh, there were several kids in the family, and there was one child. I mean, well, I was past, their pastor for those, those six years. I was, uh, they had one child get, get pregnant while she was in high school, and then the next daughter got pregnant two in high school and then there was a third daughter you say well there's got to be problems listen don't walk where you haven't don't talk where you haven't walked this young lady comes in my office and she says I'm pregnant too we cried a while she cried I cried I knew her family. She said, my parents are going to be devastated. I can't have an abortion, although that's happened in our family too. She said, I'll tell you this. The father wants nothing. He's already done what he wants to do. He wants nothing to do with me, nothing to do with the baby. He's not going to father. He's made it abundantly clear. I'm not going to give this baby up. And I looked at her and I said, I want you to do something really, really radical and you're going to think I'm crazy. Everything you just told me, besides your siblings and your parents, I want you just to tell what happened. I want you to tell them that you repented of your sin and you did that with me right here in my office and she had already. We'd already prayed. I said, I want you to come up in front of the church and tell them what's going on in your life. Now see, what I knew I could do, 
I knew I could count on the people I pastored to love her. I also knew I was taking a chance that some of them might not. But I already knew my church pretty well, and I knew what they would do. I, I was banking on what I believed they would do. And she said, man, that's going to be so hard. I said, yeah, it'll be really hard, but I want to tell you something. And before all of you go, man, if you do anything at Oaks now, Pastor Bear is going to make you stand up in front of everybody. No, please don't do that because I've only done this about five, six times in my entire ministry, years and years, where I felt like there needed to be something like this take place. Listen, I talked to her parents about it. They were kind of struggling with doing this, and then they finally said, yeah, we'll support her in it, and we'll come stand with her. And I said, that's awesome. So Sunday came. This young lady got up. She told him, she said, church, I've asked God to forgive me, and now I'm asking you, my church family. I love the Lord, but I've really been astray. And I'm carrying a child. I've got a man that fathered this child. That he, wanted, he doesn't want anything to do with fathering this child. He's already done all he's going to do. And that's, that's it. And I, uh, I know this isn't the right path. But I'm not giving this baby up. I'm going to raise this child. My parents are supportive. And uh, my pastor's supportive. And I hope you will be. Guess what happened next? The entire church service ended. You know where it went? It surrounded this young lady. And people were crying and hugging her. And telling her they love her. And there were people that supported her financially. There were people that helped her and babysat. There were people that did all kinds of things. I knew I had a people like that I pastored. I knew I could get away with doing that in the church and people wouldn't sit there and judge the life out of this woman or her parents. I knew they would love her unconditionally. And you know what we did about three months after that? She's, she's starting to get a, a good bubble. She's doing so good. She's gone through a discipling program that we, we had in the church and she's, she's meeting with me about once a week just to talk about things and just get rock solid as, as we can help her do, we hired her to work at the church. Well, what kind of example is that to young people? It's an example to learn from, and it's a lady that has, is redeeming her life, and she's coming back to value. You see, Jesus brings people back to value we're really bad sometimes as the church about, well, okay, they confess their sin and they've, they've gotten right with God. We had her work with children. She was one of the assistants there at the church working with children. And you say, well, that shouldn't be. She didn't have a husband. She didn't. Forget that. This lady is now repentant. She's walking with the Lord. And she worked at that church for a number of years and was a godly servant of God. And yes, she messed up, and yes, she was a mother without a husband and had a baby in our church. But I want to tell you something, we loved her through all that mess. And I watched the church just get all around her and just love her through this. And she, she, she is a fine Christian young lady, and by the way, she got married. And uh, anyway, life is good for her. You see, we're in the business of redeeming people jesus does the redeeming but we have to work in that process you follow me 
I knew that she could stand there and tell those folks, listen, I messed up. It changed the course for that family, too, where this public display, so many times people want to do, you know what they want to do, they want to hide. I don't want you to know my family stuff. We just decided we were going to just be church together. Just love her through it. And that's what we did. And you can judge me today about, well, you shouldn't have done that. I want to tell you something. It changed the course of her life, and it changed her life in church. Her church life was not about shame. It was about, it's all out here, and here I am, and I've turned my life over to God fully as I know how at this point. Will you help me? What are you going to say, church? People that are the right type of folks, what are they going to do? They're going to respond to that in Christ-like love, aren't they? Now, I, I wanted to tell you that I've only done that five or six times. One time I had a guy that went through a very public jail uh, experience and, and got busted and went through this thing and then he wanted to come back to church and I mean he had done some horrible things and I mean there was another working through process that we did I had him stand before the church I asked him if he would and testify of the life corrections he had made in prison and then since he had gotten out and that we were here for him and again the church collapsed and loved him it's amazing when we love people what it will do to, for them Listen to this. I mean, you can just go, you can go through all kinds of stuff. There's one other principle here I want to share with you, and that's this. The real Christ follower not only has this preoccupation with the glory of God and making sure they glorify God in their life, a real Christ follower is all about loving people unconditionally like Christ loved them. And boy, Christ had some folks that he just loved when the community wouldn't love them at all, like Zacchaeus like that woman at the well, where he gave them unconditional love in those cir circumstances. Real Christ followers also have an unending loyalty to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 36. It says these words, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you really really peter really you're gonna lay it down for me yeah oh yes lord i'm i'm totally in totally in listen it is one thing to say you're loyal it is another thing to practice loyalty isn't it it really is he goes on to say jesus says back to him then he answered him Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will deny me or disown me three times. Wow, isn't that amazing? Now back in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had this interaction with Peter. And it was an incredible interaction. Listen to this. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Whew. That just makes me shiver. But we do that. 
The disciples are the human reaction to God walking the earth. That's why we laugh at them. That's why we kind of relate to them, because we see human reaction to God. And let me tell you something. When you step into the boxing ring with God, you're in a bad, bad place. Because Jesus is never wrong. So when you pull him aside and you're going to rebuke him for what's going on in your life, you better watch out. Job played that game. You remember the story of Job? Job kept saying, I'm righteous. I haven't done anything wrong. Was that true? It was true that he hadn't, he hadn't sinned against the Lord, but he wanted to justify himself before others, didn't he? And there's one of our groups right now studying Job. I, I bring this out because it's such a powerful book. I, one, one of these days I'll do a series and I'll probably call it When All Hell Comes Against You. I might have preached it before. Maybe. Uh, in that book of Job, here's one of the amazing things. Job, finally, after he bickers with all these friends, and if you ever have Bildad, Zophar, and um, Eliphaz, if you ever have any of those people show up in your life, run! They are not your friends. And they take this approach that he must be doing something wicked or God would not be judging him like this. This is kind of a held and wealth gospel type of, type of junk going on. Anyway, they argue with him for many chapters, wear him out. They literally wear him out with their rhetoric and their carrying on and judging the life out of him. And finally, Job gets his time with God, and he steps into the ring with God, and God starts a series of 77 questions, and it's, Job, how about this? How about this? And he can't answer not a single question. And then he concludes in the book of Job these words. I had heard of God before. Now I have experienced Him and I've seen Him. He learned his lesson to quit wanting to justify himself. God would take care of all. God justified. God brought him back, didn't he? Blessed him twice as much. You say, well, he went through a lot. Sure did, didn't he? Sure did. Well, Simon Peter does the same thing to Jesus. He rebukes Jesus for what he says. Ah. Be careful. If you get in that ring with God, it's going to be a short deal. And if you last at all, it's going to be a miserable deal. You don't argue with God and win arguments. You follow me? It just doesn't happen. God is God and you are not. Love you, church. Just getting real with you. That's what it is. It is. Listen to this. We're not. Simon Peter rebukes Jesus. That is a stupid thing to do. Amen? Everybody agree with that? We got that down that when you if you rebuke Jesus, you're up, you're you're uh, you know, you're you're in the in the you're in the creek without a paddle. Amen? I mean, there's no way to defend yourself. You got no way to make any progress. You're in a bad spot. So, when we argue with God, you I admit to all of you there have been times I don't understand what God's doing in my life. But I've learned to go ahead and trust him. Just hold his hand and hold on and just go on through it. And he'll show me in time. And sometimes I think we may not see it fully until we get on the other side of glory. And then we'll see him face to face and we'll know th all things 
It'll be incredible. It's incredible. But I don't need to argue with Jesus, right? If I find myself arguing with Jesus, I'm in a bad place and I need to stop. And that's what happens here, is he rebukes uh, Jesus for this. Now, if let's just talk about loyalty proclaimed versus loyalty practiced. Um, I think I turned my phone either off or it's on silent. No, it's on, so hopefully it's on silent. But I have my phone here. I'm a, I'm a droid guy. Everybody, my wife and I and everybody else in our family, they're iPhone people. That's all I'm going to say. Let's say that my phone would practice, my phone practices a, um, it's biblical. And it decides it's going to take a Sabbath leave one day a week. And one day a week, my phone is not going to receive text. It's not going to allow me to get on, on uh, social media. It's not going to give me email. It's not going to work as a phone because it's the Sabbath. I work six days a week. That's enough. You might even let my battery rest a little bit and not charge me up that day because I'm not going to work for you anyway. Would you want a phone like that? Sure as shooting, you would have a day where you had an emergency and you needed to make a phone call or you had something happen in your business life and you had to take care of something, right? Let's say you have a refrigerator and it decides it's going to work from Sunday to Tuesday, but Wednesday is its day off. And then it'll kick back on and on Thursday it's going to run through the rest of the week, but it too is very biblical and it's going to have a Sabbath rest. And it's going to do that. Now let's take your car. And let's say that it's going to work six days a week and it gets honked at and everything else out here on I-20 and on 360 and all the other roads that we've got around here. And man, we've got quite a highway system and I'm still learning. I just love those merges. I, we had some experiences again yesterday where you come off and you just like, you know, you want to go over there, or you have to play Dodge car, right? You remember the bumper cars? I feel like that when I get off the freeway or I come down the frontage road. That's what I feel like we're playing is we're playing bumper cars, but please don't hit me. You can beep. I'd rather you not scream, but what not. Let's say your car is really tired. Whew, I need a rest. And I'm not taking you to church on Sunday because I refuse to start. Would you like a car like that? Why in the world do we take things like that in church and we go, well, God wants me to love everybody. But what if I'm loving 80% of the time? That's pretty good. That's a passing grade. Well, how about I am going to be a giver and yeah, I got an income and yeah, God gave me all that I got, but I'm going to give. I'm going to give sometimes. But you know, that, that thing you're giving up. 10% giving a tithe? That, gosh, that's a lot of money. I got things I could do with half of that money. I'm going to give him half of that, and half of it I'm not. I'm going to go to church this week, but, you know, if it rains, I might not go that day. Or I may not go to that Bible study, or I may not go to that home group, or I may not serve. What? You wouldn't put up with that with a product, would you? 
How about you play that game at work? I'm just going to work Monday through Thursday. Friday, I'm taking off. Well, good luck with that, right? See how that goes for you and how long you stay an employee where you are. You say, you don't understand, I'm the boss. You might have to work even more, amen? Listen, I, I know that this is getting in your biz, but listen, we got to look at this loyalty thing. <coughs> you get one life. What do, is done for Christ will last. Everything else is just going to burn up. You've got to ask yourself a very, very real question. Is my loyalty proclaimed or is it practiced? Is my loyalty proclaimed or is it practiced? You tell me. Is it proclaimed or do I actually practice that? Let me leave you with these three questions. And here they are. Is your life goal to bring glory to God? Is your life goal to bring glory to God? Are you practicing consistent love for others? Number three, do you have an unending loyalty to Jesus? An unending loyalty to Jesus. What's your answer to those? If you answer no to any of those, you got something to work on, don't you? You need to step it up. You need to recommit yourself to Christ in that arena of life. Why? Because he's worth everything you got. And you only get to live this life one time. Right? Just once. That's it. One time, it's over. That's it. Make it count. Make an impact. Be really an imitator of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's pray. Father, in this invitation, some of us may need to come to the altar, and Lord, maybe it's a loyalty issue. Maybe it is a loving issue. There's somebody, there's somebody that's in their mind's eye right now that they're having difficulty loving. Lord, the person just irritates the soup out of them. Lord, give them victory over that. Lord, there may be somebody here, just like we read in that first part of the passage. We need to get where we're all about you and glorifying you in our lives and not about just living what we want to do in this life ourselves. Lord, help us to really come to grips with that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you need, may need to respond to the Lord in another way. Maybe you say, hey, I, I've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I need to do that. That's what I need to do. I need to take care of that business. Listen, life's too short not to live it right. It really is. God's giving you another opportunity. Come. Let's all stand together. If you need to respond, come on. From where you are to where you need to be. Let this altar be a place of reconnection today. Come on. Need to come, come on.
connect card this is a great time to turn them in especially if you have prayer needs you can just put those on the back and uh, whether you're a guest or a, a member we get we get lots of cards every week with uh, those needs hey uh, I will ask the ushers to come and join me here at the altar today as we take our offering in Today, we're going to be praying for several things uh, this next week in our um, Southern Baptist life. The Annie Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, is this week that goes just to home missions just here in the United States and Canada. And I think they now include Mexico in that as well. And uh, you'll have an opportunity next Sunday to, to support that. We'll also be praying, as I mentioned in a moment when we come back and uh, have prayer over the uh, service today, over this uh, offering and and our prayer needs. We wanted to uh, <clears throat> share with you that um, uh, VBU, Dr. Dr. Wright, um, I was over there for a couple meetings, and both weeks they asked us if we would have prayer for the school, and here's what they asked us to pray for. Pray for the uh, staff and the students. Uh, that they would be Christ-like and that they would be effective in training uh, young people to really follow the Lord Jesus and that some would come to Jesus while they're there. And they prayed for financial uh, prosperity within their ministry, just they need to enlarge their imprint and their influence, and that was a request that we pray for that. And they also asked that we would pray today for them uh, to just be all that they should be, faculty uh, to really exemplify the Lord Jesus and the Lord would would increase their their camp there so we'll pray that in a moment for those of you who have been praying for the sale of our home in Ohio God bless you God bless you Uh, don't give up yet but we have now we're in a contract you many of you know that we have had the contingency of the family that was in the contract with us they have sold their other home and they will be closing on that soon. We had our inspection this week, and it had minor things just for us to kind of address. So we are addressing those this week, and that part's over. Now we just need to get to close. So don't quit praying until we close, and that's going to be on May, either May 22nd or May 25th. So uh, pray to that end. It will be nice to have that off of us. We would appreciate that. I have Texas plates now. I do. Kemma has Texas plates. Keela has Ohio plates because we can't get her still long enough to go get this done. But we will get that done. And pretty soon I'm going to have a Texas driver's license. Pretty soon. Let's take our offering today and let's give unto the Lord generously. Teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way, when I cannot stand up all on you, Jesus, you're my hope and stay.
pray together. Father, we thank you for a, a godly leader like a Dr. Wright and, Lord, so many others that, Lord, uh, one, one professor standing here, just here at the altar, Lord, our chairman of deacons that uh, teaches history there. And, Lord, so many others that are there in the church, uh, in our church that uh, work there and are going to school there. We pray that you would bless uh, in all the ways that Dr. Wright asks us to pray for them today. There's churches all over the uh, DFW and other places that are praying for DBU during their services this morning, and we pray that you would increase their influence, that you'll bless them financially. We pray that the kids, as the students as well as the uh, faculty will really live out uh, being Christ-like. And Father, that people will come to you through their ministry. And Lord, we ask that you would bless our church. We pray, pray that you'd bless this offering. Lord, we pray that you'll bless this time of interim. And Lord, we pray that uh, you'll just bless, uh, Lord, our search for some new staff as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name.